You're listening to the Inside the Mix podcast with your host, Mark Matthews. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. I'm Mark Matthews, your host, musician, producer and mix and mastering engineer. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about your favorite synth music artists, music engineering and production, songwriting and the music industry. I've been writing, producing, mixing and mastering music for over 15 years and I want to share what I've learned with you. So welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. I'm your host, Mark Matthews, and this is a uh, this is a first for the podcast. So this is a live interview. So I'm not entirely sure how this is going to go, but fingers crossed it will go well. Um, we are at the mercy of technology, but we'll see how it goes. So yeah, in today's episode, I'm joined by Chris Threlfall of Tone Sphere Studios and metal bands Dremora and Enscape. And uh, in this episode, we'll be discussing Chris's current musical projects and the designing, building and opening of a recording studio during a pandemic. Hello, Chris. How are you? And thank you for joining me. Hello, Mark. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, no problem at all. Uh, looking forward to chatting about music and the uh, events that have happened over the last couple of years. Over yeah, the year. yeah, man. So how are you doing? I'm, I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. I'm, um, I'm intrigued to see how this goes. I'm intrigued to see how this goes. As I say, <laughs> it's the first live podcast episode, so... I don't know how many people we're going to have you in this. So for the listeners listening now on the uh, podcast platforms, retrospectively, this was is recorded live. So please do bear with us. <laughs> so um, I've got your bio here, Chris. So Tonesphere mm-hmm. Studios was designed and built by yourself and your brother, Ben, during and just after the original lockdown of 2020. Um, it was made primarily for the use uh, for existing projects, but also geared towards branching out to the public. So we'll come circle back to that um, further on. The idea was to create a dynamic space to use for a wide variety of projects from recording and mixing to photography, videoing, and ironically, live streaming. Um, so yeah, exciting stuff. Just um, just for our audience listening, where are you joining us from today, Chris? So I am joining you from Tonesphere Studios. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We are based uh, around the Taunton area, so just outside of Taunton um, in, a, in an industrial unit out there. Um, but yes, making use of the live streaming part of the studio this afternoon, this evening rather. Yeah, it's something we'll circle back to later because I think it's an important part of the music industry now, in particular for for live events. What with what's happened of late. So just to um, g- give the audience a bit of background knowledge. Um, so myself and Chris, I've known Chris for a very long time. We uh, we were in a band many many moons ago, and if you circle back and listen to, I think it's episode ten or eleven of the podcast. There's an interview with myself. Uh, Chris and our other good friend and bandmate uh, shout out to Toby Um, and uh, if you want to get a bit more in-depth knowledge and just a general laugh (laughs) I strongly suggest going back and listening to that episode because it is quite good and you get to learn a bit about about my background as well Mm -hmm. as well as as well as Chris's so what I'd like to start off with Chris is just a bit of for our audience for you to go into your background so your life before tone sphere so tell us a bit about your musical life I know it's quite extensive. Um, so <laughs> I've been there for probably about a third of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, your musical background, Chris. Let's start with that one. Cool. So I mean, music's always been quite a big part of my life. To be fair, even uh, from a very young age, um, I always used to like listen to Beatles records and mess around on a piano and stuff like that. Not with much kind of musical knowledge taught to me or anything like that and it was fairly horrific but <laughs> it did spark a kind of interest so like ever since then I've I've always tried to be involved in like uh mixing kind of projects and stuff like that even from like a secondary school kind of level and always used to be in bands you know like the what you're going to do at lunchtime you're going to go and play on the field you're going to go and play in a band and mm. you know stuff like it was that kind of all our little 30 watt combos sitting up on a table in the music room, just, you know, making some noise and playing Metallica and Slayer covers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it comes from just those kind of early days. Um, and then kind of jumping forward a little bit um, to where I kind of had to make a choice on what kind of instrument I wanted to play, I think. So I've always been kind of split a little bit between uh, like guitar and drums um and there's just always as i'm sure you're aware a bigger demand for drummers yep um so that was a kind of fell into uh oh do you want to do you want to join a band because we really need a drummer do you just want to give it a go and it goes from oh you're quite good at tapping on a table why can't you do that on a drum kit kind of thing and it yeah. turns out there's quite a big difference between those two uh situations but uh the first band i ever joined was uh was a queen tribute band 
Which, I didn't having... know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did not know that. Like, as a drummer, anyway, yeah. it was it was a friend of mine was uh, was a big Queen fan, and uh, we possibly slightly unimaginatively called ourselves King. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I, I'd never listened to Queen <laughs> before I joined that. Had band. you not? <laughs> no. So I was just there, you know, playing a four beat, just like, yeah, this is a Queen song. This is great. Like years later, I've like, oh, I was so that was such a wasted kind of <laughs> like opportunity yeah. there to to actually learn some Queen stuff and really get into the music because I really love the band now. But yeah, back then it was just a oh, I get to get behind a drum kit and play some stuff. That's that's yeah. really cool and and. But yeah, from from that, like just a myriad of of bands with with similar groups of friends until I met yourself and and Toby and and the rest of uh, Engraved from uh, the, its original incarnation, mm. and then got very into death metal and and you know the drums that 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 go with that essentially, um, and then yeah, it, it just kind of snowballed from there and uh, and carried on to to where we are today, really. So that's you know we did like a um college course in music which kind of i think helped get me out of just the i'd play thrash metal and nothing else kind of mindset which yeah. is uh, always a good thing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> um play a bit of pop and you know get get all the bangers <laughs> but uh yeah yeah i think that's um circling back to a few things in there so go back to the 30 watt i'm fairly certain we pl- we, we 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 jammed with 30 watt amps when we were writing a lot of our stuff I know. Um, I distinctly remember. Were being, they even thirty? I think they probably were like not. Fifteen. <laughs> I remember playing. We were in some sort of like almost abandoned attic at the bar, at the back of your <laughs> of your shared house, if I remember rightly. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah we yeah. wrote quite a few songs in there, didn't we? We did. And we did. We also tried to to hack a competition so we could play with um, Dark Tranquility, if I remember rightly. Yes, and lost. Yeah, I, I think we got <laughs> bored and ended up going to the pub. Yeah. quite quickly as well because we had to reset the router to get a new ip address every time we voted and then like after about two hours of just doing that and everyone getting really annoyed we were like should we just go to the pub yeah like yep. just say someone else out hacked us that that sounds about right and it's interesting you mentioned about queen there and not actually um listen to queen because uh for those for the audience listening now um after uh, a, a few drinks Generally, uh, Chris is quite inclined to putting on Queen um, <laughs> in the early hours, much to the uh, bereft of his neighbours. Um, but no, well, they had it coming. <laughs> yeah, 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 they did. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sure they're not listening, but we won't go into details on them. No. Um, but uh, yeah, so quite an extensive musical background, and just just for just echoing what Chris said, then. So we were in a band called Engraved Disillusion, which was a, which was a heavy metal band. Uh, turned into a metal band, death metal at one point, various incarnations, probably over the course of about ten years. Um, I will put links to that in the in the episode show notes, so you can go and check that out. So I'm sure for the audience listening, if you listen to my music, it's quite different to uh, to heavy metal. But um, I think echoing what you said there, Chris, about coming and having that sort of musicianship of of experiencing different genres. I think I don't know about you, but I think it does make you a more creative individual, and I think it yeah. opens you're more you're more open to to musical styles and musical ideas and i think it helps your songwriting we'll be right back so i've got a hunch about a common struggle we all face mastering if you're an independent artist or music producer you've probably encountered the frustration of masters that just don't hit the mark right they lack balance and refuse to play nicely across different devices and environments. Ever found yourself wondering, why don't my masters sound like my references? Perhaps you've spent countless hours attempting to master your tracks only to be unsatisfied with the results. Maybe you've tried every Silver Bullet plugin or even dabbled in AI. Or perhaps you're already working with an engineer, but you're eager to explore different possibilities. Well, here's the solution you've been searching for, Synth Music Mastering. I'm offering a game-changing opportunity with a one-time free test master for a limited time. Picture elevating your music with my unwavering commitment to quality and a personalized touch that you just don't get with the big mastering studios. The best part, it won't cost you a penny. Just submit your finished mix and let's see how we can transform your music together. Don't let mastering be a mystery any longer. Say goodbye to the frustration and step into a world of sonic excellence. Grab your free test master now, click the link in the episode description, or head over to synthmusicmastering.com. 
Yeah, that's, I think that openness is what you, if you learn nothing else, that's probably the most important thing from being exposed to like, even, you know, some of the most generic songs, you know, like yeah. the Bon Jovi's and the Europe's and, and the stuff like that, that you inevitably end up playing at, at mm. college shows sometimes, um, just kind of makes you delve into that world a little bit more and, and have a bit of appreciation to where some of these other the other things came from. Um, and then, yeah, you can apply that later on. Um, and you think, well, what what could I get into the music that I currently play to make it sound different or sound sound better or take it in a different direction and stuff like that? So yeah, that's that's definitely like a like a big part of it, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, just before I go on to the next point, actually, which is quite a poignant one, um, I just want to delve into the stats for this current live episode. Um, exciting times. We have five viewers, um, which wow. is which is five more than I thought we were going to get, um, <laughs> which is amazing. And I've got so, five screens open on different devices here. So yeah. I've got a farm going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, farming out IP addresses. Um, so I'm just going to say ha- uh, hello to Emily, uh, Lawrence, Rod, and Jamie. Thank you for uh, joining us on this inaugural um, Inside the Mix podcast, episode six. Um, yeah, that's the number, Lawrence. Well done. Okay. Um, so my next point was going to be heavy metal now i had an interview with max thor um which is going to come out in series two mm-hmm. and i've interviewed countless other um synth artists because i know you're you're quite into your synth music as well and the amount of musicians that come from a metal background including myself is it, it there seems to be this weird pull from the synth world godfather 3-esque that sort of draws you in <laughs> yeah can you think of any reason why that might be why there why there might be a transition from metal to synth music so i mean as i said to you the other day i, I did do a an inside the mix binge uh and listen to mm. all of the episodes uh very, like you? in short order <laughs> <laughs> and yeah the, the, i did pick up that a lot there was a lot of of people from a metal background or at least you know a rock or punk or or that kind of guitar driven music background that went into it and i think it's probably just because they're so compatible hmm. if you think about like uh, you know the pop music and stuff like that i mean it's all keyboard based mm-hmm. like a lot of the time it's written on piano and then it's transposed onto other uh, mediums and stuff like that and i think that it's very easy to go from like piano and guitar a very kind of intermingled together mm-hmm. like in in the world of pop and in the world of, of metal i mean you think about like how symphonic music and metal paired together so well and yeah and that's got a very big following and like it's it's almost like a follow-on from classical music the way some of it's composed a lot of the time i think uh like synth-based music has done something similar so there's lots and lots of bands already in in like the metal genre that, that d- have done it for years yeah um you know and it's becoming a lot more popular now, obviously, with the, how uh, like synth music is is starting to come like really to the forefront of music again. With like, bands, you know, just uh, Beast in Black, uh, yep. Battle Beast, you know, the, those kinds of you know metal poppy amaranth like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it is just you can take the metal aspects of it and you can put them onto different instruments, and then all of a sudden you're like or oh, we can strip that back and that melody doesn't have to be like a big guitar harmony it can be like a synth line that's a lot more chilled out and i think a lot of it's because it's so much easier to kind of do on your own as well yeah and another thing that was quite prevalent throughout the podcast was a lot of people kind of started doing it over lockdown yeah yeah that is <laughs> and a i can totally thing. see why because you've got that collaborative kind of aspect taken away from you that's out of your control but being like creative people you just want to carry on doing it and yeah having access to things like synths and and daw programs and stuff like that I mean, I've been lost in a synth library for days. Yeah, it's <laughs> and you, just you just get stuck in, and then you think, "Oh, that sounds good," and that sounds good, and right, oh, oh, get some drum loops and put behind that, and you can totally see how that would kind of naturally kind of happen in in like a musician's mind. But yeah, again, yeah, it's it's just down to that compatibility between the two genres. I think like when they do get married together, they they work so well, and it's easy to kind of go in one side as a metal musician meld it together and then come out the other side as a synth 
kind of musician. Yeah. It's <laughs> I can totally see see that transition. Yeah, I totally echo what you said there, and it makes perfect sense. And I think specifically from my own perspective as well, when you mentioned there about like being the master of your own destiny, so mm. you're no longer in that. There's pros and cons to each approach. I mean, you're working in a solitary environment, working on your own music, which is great because you can do it at your own leisure unless you've got deadlines from a label, etc. But I suppose mm-hmm. on the flip side, you don't have that input from four other members. But then again, you're not having to appease four other people. So mm-hmm. it's quite nice. And it is, a, it is a, a product of the pandemic as well and the accessibility of technology. But I also think as well, when you come to like sonic textures, textures as well, because I remember being in a band and stuff and we were always like, oh man, this, this track's going to be really heavy. We're going to make it as heavy as possible. All right. um, and I think the great thing about synth music is in particular is you can take your sonic palette and make it whatever you want it to be and you can emulate Mm -hmm. those really heavy sounds and those heavy heavy textures using synths and the technology is just so accessible i mean i've got one keyboard uh mini extended mini keyboard and the rest of it is just total digital and that is the beauty of technology um Mm -hmm. and it's exciting because i like every week i'm finding more and more synth artists just appear and they're putting out some so, so the music they're putting out is amazing and a lot of the time they're just starting from the ground up mm-hmm. and it's it's really interesting and like you say when you go back through the podcast and you listen to the influences and the way people are moving over to synth music and i think it's just because because of its accessibility and also the community that exists within it as well it's uh it's an amazing thing so once again uh thanks for that chris i'm just going to dive over to the live um no nothing's happened there um <laughs> but there you go it's one of those things <laughs> <laughs> For the audience listening, retrospectively, once again on the podcast, um, this is live if you've just joined at this point, and it is a it is a new part of the podcast that we're going to be doing every now and again. And at the moment, we've got four viewers. Hopefully, that will uh, that will improve. So, what we're going to do now, Chris, is I'm going to give you the opportunity just to plug uh, your two bands that you're part of. Um, you can start with either one. I don't mind. In fact, I'll make that decision for you. It makes it nice okay. and easy. That, that way, you're not showing <laughs> bias. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with the uh, Dramora. Give our mm-hmm. give our audience a bit of a description of that particular band. So Dramora is a band that I joined in 2018, I think. Ooh, four years. <laughs> yeah. So it's been it's been a little while. We've we've had our um, ups and downs. Just the pandemic kind of knocked us out a little bit, but we're just kind of coming back again now with with stuff. But essentially that that was a kind of like I was saying earlier about the symphonic side of things, that was a very much geared towards being like a kind of symphonic but melodic metal band. Um we wanted to get as much kind of strings and symphonic backgrounds and stuff like that in there as as possible. But interestingly, tying it in, more recently, more and more synth has started to appear it's in the music. Yeah, so we're we're definitely towing the line between <laughs> symphonic and synthesizers, and yeah, yeah it, it's it's definitely something that just popped into our heads as well, like yeah. naturally. Like th- there wasn't even much kind of outside influence in that necessarily, but it was just like, oh, let's let's make this sound like Blade Runner, <laughs> and then the yes. synths come out. <laughs> definitely. So, yeah, that, that's a local band to, to this area. So they, they have a stake in the studio as well. So they come in and, and we practice here. We record here. Uh, we just filmed a live stream here, which went out on the weekend. Last, yeah, so we, we did it Thursday, last Thursday, Thursday the 10th. So you can check that out on probably the Dramora page. And I've shared it to the Tonesphere page as well. So you, it's, it's out there and it's going to be going up to YouTube as well and stuff like that. So that's like the first... Of a of a few things that we've got like in the pipeline, I think. But it yeah. was nice to be able to fully have control over something within the studio. So it was all recorded live, like it was sh- shot and filmed live and stuff like that as well. And then taken away and edited and 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 then put out as a as a kind of retrospective live stream where we did something like this and then played yeah. the live stream and then and then came back again. But yeah, that's um, working on new material at the moment. So. That's the kind of you know you know the game with that. It's mm, I do <laughs> it's indeed. a long slog. Uh, trying to trying to get stuff that you're you're happy with, and obviously like we were talking about with that collaborative process as well, something that everyone's happy with. And yeah, we have quite a, a a collaborative approach. Everything so everyone brings something to the table. 
and then we mix and match it and and kind of cut it together and stuff like that but mm. yeah so more focused locally at the moment with yeah. with with this band so um play quite a lot in the area um we did have quite a few books like shows booked throughout the uk before the pandemic and then all of that just disappeared and it's still kind of picking up the pieces from where it was before but it's uh yeah no it's, it's we've got a lot of exciting things going on and nice um yeah really looking forward to the future of it no, that sounds good, mate. It sounds good. I can't believe that's four years. I, I just didn't even Amazing, remember joining. Yeah, four years goes fast. <laughs> Very fast. Uh, so for the audience listening, when Chris says local, that's sort of like uh, Taunton. And for our um, sort of worldwide audience, that is in England, um, <laughs> in the southwest of England. Um, and what I'll do is you mentioned the bands, etc., in the studio, and I'll put all the links to that in the show notes. So um, please do go and check out um, the bands that Chris references and and the uh, the studio as well but listen to the rest of this episode first and then uh, then go and do that um so yeah. endscape's quite a new venture for you um yes tell us a bit more yeah. about endscape so that kind of popped up out of the blue um i know the the our singer for for quite some time uh carl uh, he's been quite a, a well-known presence in the area for just being a fantastic vocalist really mm. <laughs> and, and a great guy um and i noticed he he put up something about uh his band looking for a drummer um and i was like i'm just i'm just going to apply straight away uh and say yes <laughs> yeah and then i listened to the stuff and i was like actually i really like this this mm-hmm. is this is kind of like really in my wheelhouse kind of thing it's really melodic big choruses you know a bit different drum wise than i would normally play and i think i that was another bit that kind of drew me in so it was less metal drummy stuff yeah yeah <laughs> more yeah. kind of along the lines of rock and a bit more modern uh modern rock and modern metal kind of stuff and that kind of really drew me in um and i went for uh, a, an audition up in birmingham with them um and i think they got it down between me and one other person and and thankfully i got the, the role yeah yeah um, and then we we started just jamming and seeing if you know we all worked as as a unit and stuff like that and you know it took some time to kind of get what they wanted from me and uh and stuff like that and then after a couple of shows we kind of really kind of honed it in and um yeah things are running really well with them but yeah it's definitely a completely different kind of band than i'm used to which is yeah. really cool um but again it, they they have a lot of uh like electronic uh input into that band as well so there's a lot of kind of uh electronic drums that that go in there as well um there's a lot of kind of synth style uh backings and stuff like that 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 go in with it too so it's it's got a lot going on it's one of these things that it's quite a lot to take in at once um once you kind of dive into it there's there's a lot of layers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that as well so we're just kind of pushing out and and trying to get some shows at the moment we've had some great reception from kerrang radio i did see that yeah they've been very kind to us for some reason and Mm -hmm. i was like that's amazing wow um and it's it's hard to get that sometimes without trying to feel like you're pushing like trying to send tracks to all these people like please listen to this please listen to that it was really mm. cool to have someone come to us and be like oh i've heard your track this is amazing and oh so, amazing wow, so the, the kerrang radio um their host or whoever the production team approached mm. you uh with a view to featuring the endscape music so it was it was passed to them from someone else that liked uh, the band yeah. so they were kind of like oh I've, I've listened to your latest single i love it i'm gonna pass it to my friend uh alex baker on um kerrang radio and then he just went i love this <laughs> and this has just given us some really good press since then so amazing i was just like that's gold dust as as i'm sure everyone knows yeah um, but yeah like that that's not local to this area so um we usually uh focusing kind of around the midlands area but we've got some shows uh, like in newcastle we've just played down locally here in bridgewater um I think my camera's just died. Ah, the backup camera has kicked in. Oh dear. Am I still there? <laughs> you are. So for the uh, the audience listening, there was a slight... I told you there'd be technical issues, but um, uh, Chris has to, seems to have some sort of backup. So we, uh, yeah, we're still underway. Chris, carry on. I think you were mentioning about playing in Bridgewater. <laughs> oh, the heady days. <laughs> maybe, that's what, maybe that's what stopped the feed from working. <laughs> well, I don't know. 
For those of you from, from the area who know Bridgewater, <laughs> that will make sense. Well, I'm surprised last time after we mentioned Minehead, the stream didn't like completely break down. <laughs> I don't think no, they have broadband uh, in we, Minehead. We were on some kind of dial-up. Um, yeah. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> we have to record this and then send it via carrier pigeon. <laughs> uh, that, that was... Yeah. Minehead's a lovely place. It's a lovely sure. place. <laughs> I think that that was pretty much the long and short of 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 it, to be honest. So, like, yeah, you can you can check out the Enscape stuff, yeah, cool. and I mean, go to enscapeband.com Question uh, mark. Yeah, uh, enscapeband.com That's got like gigs that are coming up. It's got links to all our music and stuff like that. So, um, we're working on a new single now as well. So that's that's very exciting. I've just heard a, a first mix of it, and it's oh, it's good. Very looking forward to that. Mm. exciting times mate um looking forward to seeing it and um what we'll do is depending on when this episode comes out which i believe it will be out in march probably the beginning of march i don't know if you have new music mm-hmm. then but we'll uh, the podcast sure. will help promote that Thank release you. as we do with everyone let's take a quick break from this episode so that i can tell you about a free resource that i made for you it's a pdf checklist that describes what you need to do to properly prepare a mix for mastering so you've done the hard work and you love your mix Yet suitably preparing a mix for mastering is often overlooked by musicians, resulting in delayed sessions, excessive back and forth conversation and frustration on both parts. I want to help fix that. So if you want this free resource, just go to www.synthmusicmastering.com as this checklist will help guide you to make the mastering process as smooth, transparent and exciting as possible. So again, the URL is www.synthmusicmastering.com for this free preparing a mix for mastering checklist. Let's get back to the episode. So Tone Sphere, so it's a studio. We've been through that. It does various different things, as I mentioned at the beginning there. So we've got live streaming, we've got photography, videography. Um, so when you set out with your your brother, Ben, uh, what was the initial goal for for tone sphere did you have a, a a vision in mind for it or was it sort of like we'll we'll create the studio space and see what um, happens? i think we, we kind of had two separate goals so like goal number one was definitely i'm sick of paying for practices <laughs> at studios i want somewhere yes. that i could leave my kit mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like number one like that's that's the dream isn't it being able to walk in and, and your stuff's there and you don't have to book and all that kind of stuff um so we were definitely very keen to to build a kind of HQ, as it were, for for our bands to to kind of be like, yeah. well, we don't have to worry about booking in or or paying for studio space somewhere else. We can just go right. We'll just go to the studio. Brilliant. Um, and then idea number two was to have a fully fledged kind of studio that we can get people in to record with. I was very keen to get live streaming as a part of it, and um, because during the lockdown, um, we were very kind of active doing live streams, albeit mostly gaming live streams um but we did a few well i should probably say i had the studio set up in my living room before um we we moved and built this place <laughs> yes, so I remember. As, as you'll remember from coming over it was an absolute mess um mm. and just had piles and piles of gear everywhere and webcams and and all that kind of stuff so it wasn't an ideal situation there but we kind of had the the equipment that we could use already but it was just not in a space that was anywhere near <laughs> good enough for, for recording or or using in so yeah. it, it was it was definitely born out of wanting to make our own lives a bit easier and and have a place that we can kind of experiment with sounds and um just just, just to be a way separate it from from home as well um but also with the idea to kind of get other people involved and we we really wanted to to get people in and kind of see what we could do with it as well yeah Exciting stuff, mate. And I know what you, I know. It, you kind of want that separation, don't you? Because you get your bedroom producer, bedroom artist, bedroom recorder, etc. Um, but having that separate space is that psychologically, I don't know. For me, it just mm-hmm. makes it more creative. I don't know about you. I just feel like if I if I'm in that zone, I'm in a particular place whereby I know this is where I go to make music. I just I just feel more creative. Whereas, like you say, if you're doing it in your front room, <laughs> it's kind of like oh, this is my front room where yeah. I also eat <laughs> and drink and i don't know exercise maybe yeah it kind of comes down there's ups and downs to that because when you're done you can just i'm gonna go upstairs and go to bed i'm done whereas i've got like an hour drive home now (laughs) and i've just because it's so closed in like it could be any time of day right now and i've forgot to look at the clock on many occasions and it's been like oh it's one in the morning oh no (laughs) all right i've got to close down i've got to lock up i've got to drive home so 
Yeah, I mean, but then you wouldn't be able to do something like that if you were like renting out a normal rehearsal space, you know, like, oh, we've got, you know, mm. seven until 10 booked and then we've got to, got to ship off again kind of thing. It's at least we've got that fallback of it's OK, we can we can crack on and, and just, you know, have a have a tired yeah. one in the morning. Yeah, I remember those when we used to practice mm. or rehearse. Or was it like eight o'clock at night? And then um, where do we do it down in talk down near Torquay or something? For those of you who know the area of the southwest, going from Taunton to Torquay of an evening is probably a good hour. That was um, hour or Newton so. Abbott, and um, and it, it's tiring. Yeah, so that, that was, was in big, Newton Abbott. Big Red Studios. We, yeah. used to, we used to practice at, which is sadly no longer there. Uh, no, is it, it was not? a great I like, place. I quite like it, was, that. it was part of a, like like a charity that closed down completely. I think so. Shame. Mm. Yeah, we rehearsed in quite a few places, mm-hmm. and there was Exeter and Bridgewater. Shout out to Bridgewater again. Hopefully it doesn't break the feed again. (laughs) (laughs) So with regards to creating a studio, I'm sure the listeners, the audience um, who for this podcast, and there's there's probably a number of them who want to who would like to have their own studio. What were the challenges you faced when when putting it together? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because there were many. Um, The Mm, I can imagine biggest of which is finding somewhere to build it, like that kind of outweighs everything else and because it's been something i've been thinking of for years the choices are you either rent somewhere or you ha- own a house that has a big garden and you build something at the bottom of the garden mm-hmm. i don't own a house <laughs> i don't have a garden so that was like <laughs> off straight away and then the problem comes down to to affordability so yeah unless you're going to be running a fully fledged studio that's open all the time you can't really justify unless you know you quite well off um renting like an industrial unit which is where you normally find studios quite a lot of the time um but where i work is in uh, an industrial estate and we had an office spare at the bottom of our complex that um couldn't be rented out for noise-based reasons as there's quite a lot of other noisy businesses in the area so i had just on the off chance i had a word with my boss at the time and i was just like what are we doing with this office down down at the bottom it's quite you know seems quite large and you know i could probably do something really cool with it and he was like oh yeah no this is how much i'd uh, rent it out with and it was it was very reasonable and that kind of sparked the idea of Mm. like so i think me and ben sat down and we were like how much does each of our bands spend on practices assuming that we practice once a week so we kind of did the maths and it was not much less than the rent so we were like yeah well, there's a no-brainer straight away. Like, if we could just, even if it's just in an empty office space, it's it's our office space. We can lock the door, we can leave gear in here and stuff like that. And then lockdown happened. <laughs> and of course, yep. having a lot of time to think about stuff, because we were, because at the time I was living with Toby, our, our, our old guitarist uh, from Engraved Dissolution, and we got to a point where drinking wine in the garden kind of started to get a bit (laughs) i should probably stop doing this like seven days a week right let's try and do something so we started recording and then going back and picking apart old like engraved disillusion songs and and like re-recording some bits and having some fun with that and and that kind of made me think that would be really cool to be able to do that properly and and record some drums properly and stuff like that as well and and then yeah it, it was kind of a how would we do it? What would it entail? Is it affordable? All those kind of questions started coming up. But because we had that baseline of we've got a room to rent that's not going to be crazy and is, is going to be there for a long time. And um, we thought, just, you know, you, you spend long enough thinking about this and no one gives you a reason not to. And you're like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> and I do have this kind of thing where when I set my mind to something, I'm kind of like, well, I'm going to do it. This it's going to happen. It's going to be horrible sometimes, and I'm going to stress about it. But I've come yeah. this far. <laughs> um, so yeah, we started kind of looking around at ideas. So the first thing I did, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Nick, built a studio, um, and I took quite a lot of inspiration from that. Um, it's called the Kennel Studio. So I'd, I'd okay. recommend looking that up and um, you can kind of see immediately the similarities because this wall here is a kind of knockoff of <laughs> what their entire design kind of looks like 
Um, and that was for a reason, obviously. But um, yeah, and he was absolutely fantastic and, and taught me through the process that he went through building it. We didn't have a budget or an area quite as big as, as he did necessarily, but mm. he recommended um, a book to me, which is... Uh, home recording studio build it like the pros by rod gervais i would highly recommend anyone that's thinking about it to to just grab a copy of that book it goes yeah beyond in depth so (laughs) it's you know as you can go as deep as equations to like work out sound resistance of materials and all all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and they kind of go in saying this is what it could be like. This is how like the pros do it, but don't worry about it kind of thing. And it, it will just take you yeah. through every aspect of how to build a studio and you can kind of choose whether or not you need to apply it, like having a big sprung floor or having uh, complicated air airflow systems and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was good to have as a kind of baseline. So we could always refer back to this book and be like, how would they do it? And then we would take that away and be like, how could we do that but for less money? <laughs> yeah. And that's obviously where YouTube comes in. And I watch mm-hmm. so many videos, like bet, so many. And a lot of that just confused the matter a little bit, I think. But um, I think there was one, and I can't remember where it was or who made it. I, it's, I checked my history earlier just to see if I could kind of pull up the references for this podcast, but it's gone. Um, but they mentioned building it in kind of like pods. So yeah, always at the back of my mind is it is a rented accommodation. So what happens if they ask us to move out and I don't want to have to knock down a studio? <laughs> no one does, yeah. you know. So it, it's kind of built in. So we've got two rooms. We've got no, we've got three rooms technically. So we've got like a live performance area, which is out in the open in the normal kind of office space. Then we've got a control room, which I'm in at the moment. And then we've got like a, a what we call the drum room, which is primarily designed for recording drums or anything that needs a, a controlled audio environment, basically. Um, and it's built in. So the walls of the ceiling and the floor are all built in three to six separate kind of bolted together wooden frames um so that was a kind of worst case scenario it will damage it but we can unbolt these frames pull it apart shift the pods to a new place and then fix it up ah so i wouldn't want to do it (laughs) it's but the option the option is there so instead of starting from Mm. scratch you've got all of these panels that you can then kind of put it back together like a jigsaw whether they'll go back together or not (laughs) <laughs> mm. but that was the whole kind of point of of that kind of idea so we didn't have the the thousands and thousands that it would take to kind of do the whole room reposition kind of like lighting and air conditioning and, and all that kind of stuff so we just kind of worked with the space that we had um yeah and then it was it was very difficult working on the budget because there was a lot we we went in having no idea what we were doing basically so we were learning as we were going by referencing people that we knew that had done it and uh and like the book and and stuff like that so but it came in less than we were expecting so it was kind of like a no that is actually doable if we spread it out over some time and we don't like rush everything together and i think a big part of it was we had a lot of equipment already so like we didn't have to go out and buy studio monitors or a big mm. PC or a mixing console or anything like that because we had that equipment in the house. So it was kind of like, well, that would just go over there and we'll build the room around it kind of thing. So that was that that wouldn't have been the case if we didn't have that because we'd have just been building a room with not a lot of idea of what we put in it. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean that was the initial kind of idea of of the uh of the build, basically. It's interesting, um, circling back to what you said right at the beginning there about how you got that. that I think it's the same with mixing and mastering or music production as well. There's so many resources online. Like you say, you could watch YouTube for days mm. um, and you could just get overwhelmed with the sources of information telling you how to do X, Y, Z. And I think also circling back to what you said about like you just had a vision in mind and you just went for it. And I think it's quite easy to get put off mm-hmm. by, am I going to do it right? Um 
is it going to fall within budget? Do I know what I'm doing? And I think sometimes you just got to take that risk. Yes. Um, is it, I mean, I'm going to come back to another question in, in, in a minute. Is it a risk that you would do again? Um, I think it is. Like, it, it, it's hard to say that considering we have this now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want it yeah, anymore. Oh, I'll give it back. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like, it depends on the situation as well. It was the right time to do it because, like, I think we were lucky enough. I mean, I say we. I was lucky enough to be on furlough at the time. So I wasn't stressing about losing a, a job or anything like that so i do count myself very mm-hmm. lucky to be in that situation over lockdown to not be too worried about like finances and stuff like that and my brother had a job that was continuing throughout so he was working all the way throughout as well but obviously you can't go anywhere and do anything so spending yeah. was <laughs> coming down so it was kind of like right over these like few months let's put some stuff back let's make some plans and then it was kind of i'm not sure if that would ever happen again in a in a like a normal situation i think we just got yeah, very yeah. lucky with all the different aspects just came together at kind of like the right time and we were like for the first time in a long time we're not like oh no but i have to spend this huge thing next month like i don't think we had uh any big like studio we i'd just come out of the studio from recording an album um a few months mm. prior to that with a, with a different band and um, so we didn't have like huge expenses coming up and I think Ben was in a similar or, or slightly different thing so it, it wasn't kind of like no I've paid all this money to go into promotion and PR and all this kind of stuff it was like we can't gig right let's let's do something kind of thing yeah so it's kind of like it's it's, it's the old saying isn't it making the best of a bad situation it was absolutely really yeah definitely yeah. yeah and going back to what we said earlier about um artists moving into the synth synth side of thing and it's it's kind of making that best of a bad situation whereby you're stuck at home so you could mm-hmm. either sit in the garden and drink wine as you say <laughs> uh, which you might do anyway you might do that whilst making music you never know um but it's making that best of a bad situation so th- interestingly when uh online i'm sure if the the audience listening when you scroll through social media you you'll see specifically during the pandemic and now because i think we are the pandemic has forced change in the industry and the way we consume content mm-hmm. and music, specifically online. Um, so with the with the studio itself, you mentioned live streams. Is that a case of you diversifying, sort of like try, trying to bring in a, a different audience? Is it something you're going to continue doing? Or do you think you're going to revert back to being mix, mixing um, and uh, like mastering recording? Or are you going to continue to experiment with these with these new content ideas and platforms? Uh, I definitely continue. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of work. Um, mm. I, some sometimes you don't quite realize how much goes on behind the scenes in a lot of these. But yep, it's uh, I we recently did a, a two day live stream for the charity Mind, which is a, like a mm. mental health charity in the uk i don't know if they international but i I, they're definitely in the uk um Mm. and that was another case of me having an idea and saying we're doing it (laughs) with not really much else to go on (laughs) um but the way i built the studio was to have the ability to like send video here there and everywhere And, and another key factor was that we had a fairly good internet connection here which i think a lot i mean maybe it's different now but historically that wasn't the case at rehearsal rooms like you were lucky if you got wi-fi let alone yeah. real good reliable wi-fi so i mean i've seen since obviously being knowledgeable of of the kind of thing i want to do and the, the kind of thing that we do here i've seen other studios with similar and you know much more extravagant setups um but at the time it was kind of like well i don't really see anything similar to that around at the moment especially not on like a a fairly small scale um but yeah we just kind of jumped into that two two day live stream we managed to get uh seven acoustic acts interested um carl the singer from enscape being one of them who, who very kindly closed the entire live stream for us with a crazy performance it was so good it's actually probably due to be released very soon on the the tonesphere page if not this evening i can't remember but it's coming up oh, soon <laughs> and so definitely yeah. check that one out uh, as well as the historic performances are all up there as well so they're all um mm-hmm. they've all been posted and stuff as well but yeah no that that went really well on um 
a friend of mine, Emily, helped out as well, who was tuned in earlier and we know very well um, and helped host uh, yes. it and, and run it and brought some of her kind of like really cool streaming equipment and her knowledge of streaming as well. And we really managed to kind of knock it out of the park as far as the stream was concerned. Um, and we were really happy with how it went. And it was very exciting. And it felt like it. The, that was the weird thing. It felt like a show like a, an actual kind of live show. I mean, I know there were there not many people. I mean, because we had people come in to play and there was quite a few of them. We had like a green room downstairs and th there was a big screen down there where people were watching the stream live and, you know, having a cup of tea and some donuts and stuff at the same time as well. But it really felt like there was a connection between like the people posting in the chat and donating mm. to charity at the same time and the, the people performing. And it was just a very odd kind of but good like feeling and situation that you don't really come across or haven't if you haven't run a live stream or performed on one you wouldn't necessarily pick up on um i suppose watching it as well if you feel that that was my whole point of of wanting it to be live so rather than doing pre-records all the time which is fun as well because you can do more with yeah but if it is actually live you've got that instant kind of feedback from from people that are watching um and once you get a bit of back and forth on it i mean that's why twitch streamers are massive it's just that yeah. community that com conversation and um, back and forth kind of thing that people really enjoy so it's it's a nice aspect to bring to um to music and you you always we got people tuning in from all over the world so there was people's families watching from like canada and uh there's people from america and obviously a lot from the uk and stuff as well so th that was like they're never going to come to your show down the local pub or, <laughs> you yeah. know, but that just lets you reach kind of like a completely different kind of uh, audience, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's uh, it's a very good segue for me to now go and check um, our audience of three people now. Um, so it has gone down, but you are three very valued people. Um, so uh, just a message from Jamie. Yeah, great charity. It is a fantastic charity. It really is. Um, and Emily as well. Uh, fun live stream. I didn't realise that Emily uh, was involved in hosting it as well. That's my bad. Yeah, she came along for day one um, and Ben came along for day two. Um, so we kind yeah. of split the, the workload. Um, I was obviously there for both days. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Can't get out of it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, no, it was great to have to have Emily down there and... Um, yeah, it was it was just a just a really fun weekend, and I'm definitely going to be doing a minimum of of like one a year for for charity. Might do something else again in the summer, but it's it's just trying to fit it in and and see if there's a want for yeah. it and stuff like that. And I love doing it for charity, but you can't do it every week for charity. If you see what I mean, like yeah. I definitely yeah. want to do like a big charity event every year or twice a year. I'm just trying to kind of figure out is there a different way where we can get people to be interested and donate to like the performers and stuff like that. It's it's a tricky bridge yeah. to cross, really. It is, it is. And I think um when it comes to these streaming situations, I don't know about you, but podcasting is 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 kind of similar in a way, in that you think this is a great idea and it is fantastic fun and I, I love podcasting. Mm -hmm. But you don't realise the work that goes in in doing it and the admin you think oh it's okay i'll just rock up with my microphone interview someone and i'll put it online but there's so much that goes into yeah. it so and that's with a podcast so that's even i mean w once you start introducing other artists and then having to do all that organization um, and the logistics around performing and then you're at the mercy of technology as we found out earlier there's a massive amount that goes into it so i can totally see why you would only you could only do it a certain amount of times but i think Having seen content and the way it's consumed online, I think it's a fantastic way to go, um, and I think it's only going to it's only going to happen more and more. My sort of next thing, my because you mentioned there about like the way you set up cameras and stuff, and it's interesting in terms of when you are live and you have that instant feedback and you have that real time interaction. So I suppose my question was going to be, I don't know how versed you are with TikTok, but from research I've done with content and content generation, is there less I don't know if you could say it's the same with audio. I suppose you want it to be a really good audio performance or audio capture, but is there less em emphasis now on quality in terms of video, or do they, or are people more interested in just seeing something that's live and real? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's it's a tough one. So I think it can go both ways. So I think people want both just quick, like things that are throwaway content almost that's just a bit funny mm. or distracting, and um, and they also want 
something that's very in-depth and meaningful or well-produced. Um, it's, it's towing the line. So there's, it seems to be anything in between gets a bit mm. shunned almost. It's kind of like, oh, you've tried <laughs> yeah. to put a bit of effort into this TikTok. Oh, oh what are you doing that for? Or, um, yeah. you know, oh, you've just kind of thrown out this music video and it's not really got much to do with it. What what are you playing at? There's There's... Yeah, you either kind of go yeah. all the way one, like I'm just going live on my phone and oh, oh, everyone loves this. This is fantastic. Or I'm going to spend like six months making this piece of content. But <laughs> to, yeah. if you want to get like likes and like responses out of it, I mean, yeah, go for the, like the everyday kind of stuff. Like don't put all that work in, I don't think. I think something quick and easy, this film with your phone is like fine. It's just hard if if you're kind of like a producer or someone that that performs or something like that. You just mm. want it to be like oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to like oh I'm going to pull my voice out of this video and I'm going to like quantize it and I'm going to like put a compression yeah. on it and oh it sounds so much better now and then no one will care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree and I, I I think you're right and it I've 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 had a similar situation myself. So I think when I when I first started doing um sort of content generation for like music production tutorials, I think I put together this this fancy video and I stuck up on YouTube and to be fair, I mean, YouTube is what it is. It is, is there's a lot of noise on YouTube and trying to stand out is, is, is tricky and it's hard and you got to play the game. And then I put all this effort in and all this fancy, what have you probably got about six views, yeah. um, over the course of about a year. And then I think like last week or the week before I put together a video, which was just using my phone of how to create, I think it was like how to humanize a hi-hat. Mm-hmm. And I had about 300 views in the space of 24 hours. Yeah. And it was a it was a 12 second video mm-hmm. done on my Samsung S7. I do need an upgrade because <laughs> um, it is bloody terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just goes. And I think it's also I think you could you could spend hours talking about content and content generation, what works, what doesn't work and, and, and what you need to do and stuff. Mm. And there's no set formula, is there? It's, it's yeah, very kind you of can go down a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, exactly. I think. It's choosing between what you're going to advertise and what you're going to put out. I think if you're going to advertise something, that's where you want to spend the time, like putting in the, the like the work and the money and stuff. But from the day to day, you're not going to be, you know, putting out a fully produced edited video every day unless you're like big time. Nah. Even if you're big time, you're probably not. <laughs> no, it's bloody hard as well um, doing that. Like, because I I do my research, I do my due diligence, and I, I look at what other artists and, and producers and, and mix engineers, as you do, you take reference from other mm-hmm. people, and I see the content they're putting out, and they've got X, they've got X amount of views. Not that I'm bothered about views and stuff. I'm all about I just want to help people create mm-hmm. music. But and you see the videos, and you're like, actually, their videos, they've got a better phone than me. Pretty much 99% of the world has a better phone <laughs> than me, or maybe not the world. That's a sweeping statement. <laughs> 99% of the UK. Um, has a better phone than me, but you can still do it. But as I say, it's a total... You, when it comes to creativity, and I've had this discussion as well, as you, you said, you binge the podcast and you chat to other artists. Mm. And as a creative, as you are as well, you just want to create and you want to make music uh, or whatever it is your creative passion is. And they're trying to get your your music, your, your, your creativity out there. There is so much you have to do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like when we were in the band and <laughs> spending hours cutting up business cards yeah. um and then, <laughs> for no reason <laughs> i found some the other day or cutting up stickers yeah. um and then just emailing people on the off chance that they'll play your music stuff you never thought you'd do and there's so many like, or yeah, yeah. You, you don't you don't see that like being like the big bands do and stuff like that they're like oh they've probably got someone that they pay to do this and you're like no no i'm i'm gonna sit here and like add this video to 76 different facebook groups in the hope that three people will like mm-hmm. it or i'm gonna email 70 different promoters or venues and, and try and get like one show um mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's so much that goes on behind the scenes if you like if you're inclined to push um and yep. you can get lost in it and the the danger is burning yourself out i think is is a lot of the time yeah. i've come so close to or like been over the line like several times of just kind of like i don't enjoy this anymore i don't want to do this anymore and, and you come so close to just walking away but the creative itch just always kind of overcomes that and you're like right okay i've just got to kind of take a step back and give it a couple of days and delegate it's like if you can if you're in a band delegate yep. some stuff out because it will make your life a lot easier and like you you said you do with the, the podcast as well like getting uh, like editors and stuff like that to help and 
because I mm-hmm. didn't do that with the previous podcast that I did. And so I was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to do it all. It's fine. But it saves you money, sure. But it's just that workload, like something like cutting up five different audio inputs from a podcast and cleaning them up and mm-hmm. mixing them and then putting it back with a video and rendering the video and uploading the video and scheduling it. And then it's just kind of like, this is just for a podcast. I haven't even written any songs yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to uh, ZTF Studios as well, who does my podcast editing. I'll put a link in the bio. He's, he's a great guy, Zach. Um, very, very good. Can't recommend enough. But yeah, it is exactly that. And I think now I've been in that situation whereby you do all that stuff behind the scenes and it actually takes the fun out of mm-hmm. it and it turns into like a part time job. And then you're like, actually, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, That's the thing. Like, if and, I, enjoy, I enjoy mixing, yeah, as, yeah. as I'm sure you do. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I want to be able to do that in a situation where I enjoy it. <laughs> and I think that's yeah, the hard yeah. bit is is getting that. And I think when you get involved in other people's projects, that was kind of a big part of wanting to open the studio up to other people was I love working with my bands and I love recording the music that we do, but sometimes it's nice to have a separation from that material. So you're like, yeah. I haven't written this and scrutinized it and been over it a hundred times and done 70 mixes of it. They've come in, they've recorded it. We're going to do a couple of mixes until they're happy with the mix and then it's done kind of thing. Yeah. Like that, you've got to do that sometimes, I think, just to kind of be like, okay, no, I do still enjoy this. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I don't know about you, but I know for a fact when I when I'm really when I'm writing and producing my own stuff and I'll just dwell on something for so mm-hmm. long and I'll do oh, I'll do another mix or I'll listen to it on my headphones. I'll be like, Oh, that top end, I just need to bring that yeah. down a bit, a bit of dynamic EQ on there, and I'll go in and I'll spend an hour and I'll just reduce it by half a DB for no reason. <laughs> yeah. But when I work when I work on other people's stuff. I, I set myself a deadline and more often than not, what I do for them is better than what I do for myself yeah. purely because I'm more focused. It, it's really odd and I don't quite, I haven't quite got my head around it yet and I need to adopt that practice in my own style because mm-hmm. then I get frustrated with myself and it's a vicious circle anyway. Yeah. But I digress. So it's sort of like just to wrap up the interview because I realise we're coming to, towards uh, towards an hour yeah. now. What do you think, this is quite a, an open-ended question, what do you think is the future of recording studios where do you see them going or let's 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 refine that a bit actually so maybe not the abbey roadside studios but maybe like the studios in a similar situation to yourself this is a tough one yeah it's it's um it's an odd kind of area i think so bands are always going to need or people in general are always going to need somewhere to practice and so i think the art of like a practice room or a practice studio or a studio that offers a space to rehearse in isn't going to go anywhere um just because it's a physical place that you can make a lot of noise in and that's it really um in terms mm-hmm. of the studio side of it i think more and more people are producing in a bedroom uh, and the tools to allow you to do it are, are getting better and better and it, things like um like drum machine programs uh, like drums um etc are becoming so good and so like widely used that people kind of are accepting that why do you need to go and record drums um or why mm-hmm. do you need to go and put a you know a, a messer cab in a room and mic it up and record it when you've got like a neural dsp kind of plug in that <laughs> kind of does it for you and stuff like that and yeah yeah, so it, it's it's not necessarily a a growing business, I would say. It's probably kind mm-hmm. of struggling more than anything. But at the same yep. kind of time, if you can get like a, a certain like level of quality and consistency from a studio where you do record things, I think there's always going to be that need of people that want to come and get that kind of level of you know be it beginner mediocre or excellent kind of sound out of it i mean we're no you know middle farm studios or abbey road or anything like that here at all but mm-hmm. it's kind of like from what we can get in here we've recorded drums in here we've you know we've recorded a full ep in here and stuff like that you kind of know it's it's going to be you know whether you just use it to record in or and you get a mix engineer in or you know we do the whole lot and it's kind of a thing where you can kind of say here you can come and and get this kind of out of it and um, without having to worry about going in and mixing it all yourself and trying to book a one place out to go and record and then sending it off to someone else to mix it's kind of a nice kind of 
all kind of in-house kind of solution. Um, so I mean, I don't, I don't know where it's going. In all honesty, but I yeah. think it's a tough question. Yeah, di- diversity is is a huge part of it, which is why I wanted to do the kind of. Uh, so we've got like a full like blacked out room and stuff where we and we've got lights and stuff, so we can do videography to a certain extent. We can do photography, we can do live streams, um, we can do mixing, we can do mastering, we can do recording. You know, it's kind of like just a versatile space where you can come and create. And I've seen other studios adopt that. Um, prior to to this obviously we weren't a trendsetter by any <laughs> any any yeah. part but um i think having more to offer out of a space is is increasingly more important than just being like i'm going to run a recording studio and that's it i don't i don't think some a small time recording studio is is going to be something that's just there on its own come you know 10 years time possibly who knows yeah i th- i think you're right i think diversifying is is the way to sort of be su- successful is the wrong word but definitely relevant, um, to remain yeah relevant yeah yeah and diversification i think also being i don't know I, myself I, I like to consider myself a reasonably early adopter as well of technology and embracing that and and seeing where you can go with it but as you say it, it because of what people are able to do at home now it does not negate the need for a studio but i do, but on the flip side to that you there is that studio experience like like we've been in the studio mm-hmm. and having that studio experience as a band as a collective or as an artist as well it's something that you pay for just to have the experience i think yeah. and i think that's for one of that for that reason there will always be music studios 100%. and there will always be um, mix master and engineers that you send music off to because you want to get that particular sound or you want to get those particular set of ears on your work or you just want to have that experience yeah, it's, it's about what we were saying earlier as well about the separation as well. So you've mm. kind of spent all this time making this this music and maybe even doing pre-production and all that kind of stuff for it. Going into a room as a collective, knowing that your only job is to play that music is very refreshing. <laughs> like it's worrying and you're like stressing about it. Like going into last time I was in the studio, recorded a 13 track album. So I was like, I've got to come mm. in and play a lot of drums over the next few days. And it's just like, <laughs> am I going to remember it? Or how am I going to do it? Oh, okay. But yeah, going having that collaborative experience in one room with a deadline is is something that is is definitely worth doing. Um, so yeah, like you say, I think the, the music studio will always be there. Um, unless people really want to save money or are you know want to do everything in-house and not have have stuff like drums but i think it does Mm. sometimes i mean it's down to personal preference isn't it but sometimes it does take away from that experience of of being away and booking a studio and you know having yeah yeah, it's definitely something that goes hand in hand with being in a band you know you kind of like want to go practice and then you know go out and get drunk and have fun you want to record an album and you want to go on tour those are the kind of big kind of day yeah. one dreams of a band i suppose from like a teenager in a garage or something you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and i think um having done that as 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 we did for those those two weeks where were we two weeks in oh it was just outside of london uh, wasn't it i can't remember where Bracknell. that was it Bracknell, yeah. and we terrorized the whole campsite for two weeks <laughs> yeah threw someone in the lake uh sellotape something <laughs> to the ceiling <laughs> yeah had had a fire had a few fires um, Turns out you're not allowed fires on the, on the campsite, which I don't necessarily agree with. We did um, anyway. I, I'm fairly certain we were. We, there was at one point a sofa was going to go in the lake. That was yeah. There was a key change in the song, and for some reason we decided <laughs> that was a, a cue to throw a sofa in the lake. <laughs> there is never a better reason to throw a sofa in the lake than a key change, and I'm fairly certain it was a Michael Bolton key change. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm fairly certain sense. it was. It, it probably was. Yeah. <laughs> Circling back there, just before we finish up now, um, you mentioned about videography and the black screen and the black um, curtain and whatnot. It just reminded me now of, um, this is for the audience now, if you go check out Engraved Disillusion into Oblivion, um, and it reminded me of a music video we shot in a storage container in Western <laughs> Supermare. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, go watch that video and let us know what you think. It's uh, It was an experience. We were very hungover. Yeah. An interesting fact... <laughs> The the two black pieces of um, material I have on my ceiling are from that very shoot. No way, are they really? They've survived this long. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got like curtains that go all the way around the side of the room, but I had to put something across yeah. the roof tiles. It's from that video. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, 
It's an interesting video. If you do watch that video on YouTube, for those listening, so that's engraved disillusion into oblivion. I'll tell you what, I'm going to put this in the show notes. I just want you to like leave a comment on there saying that I sent you or Chris yeah. and I have sent you from the Inside the Mix podcast because I'll be interested to see how that translates. <laughs> um, so just before we finish up, I'm going to just jump over. Um, so for the audience, if you've just joined on your podcast platform of choice, Halfway through, this is a live podcast. So um, I'm just going to go over to Facebook now and see our three viewers. Um, three viewers. So it's quality over quantity, <laughs> might I add. And I just want to say a big thank you to Emily, Lawrence, Rod, Jamie, Ryan, a.k.a. Taggart, <laughs> the Scottish detective, <laughs> for joining us and supporting this live stream. And it's it's been good. I mean, we had one technical issue, which we overcame, like absolute troopers, might I add. I blame Bridgewater, but there we go. So whilst we wrap up now, so Chris, yeah, big thank you. So where can our audience find you online? So the studio, where can we find you online? So the studio is Tonesphere Studios. So if you type that in, that should come up on most uh, social media platforms. So uh, yeah, Facebook is Tonesphere Studios. Instagram is Tonesphere Studios. Twitter is Tonesphere Live. And YouTube is kind of coming soon because I haven't got quite there yet. And also we're Tonesphere on Twitch. So when we do live streams, we multicast to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch at the same time. So you can kind of catch it wherever. I don't know when the next one's coming up, but there will be one. <laughs> um, Ace. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll put links, as I always do, to to all these references in the in the episode description. Mm. So, Chris, a big thank you for spending the time with me this afternoon. It's been great chatting about the studio. I mean, it's not a conversation I've had with any other um, interviewees. So I think the audience are going to get a lot out of this. And I think the key thing is there is if you want to create a studio, just do it. Just give it a go and see what happens. But don't come back to me with a lawsuit saying I told you to do it, all right, if it doesn't work out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but give it a go nonetheless. So, yeah, really, really good. I think our audience are going to get a lot out of this. And, yeah, big thank you for joining me today. Yeah, no, thanks thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to, to season two. So <laughs> it's good to be part of it yeah, as well. I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've got some cracking interviews lined up. And... Um, this has been a success, I'd like to say. Others might say differently, but I think it's been a success. And um, we'll do some more live streams as well of other podcast interviews. But yeah, Chris, I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, buddy. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the Inside the Mix podcast. Make sure to rate us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify. Whoa, before you go, make sure to snag your free test master from Synth Music Mastering. Imagine enhancing your music with my steadfast dedication to quality and that personalized touch. And here's the kicker, it's absolutely free, no cost at all. Simply head over to synthmusicmastering.com or click the link in the episode description to claim your free test master.